out there. Uh, we've been talking about uh, over the last several months about what it looks like for us to one day see Jesus, for us to be uh, with him and for him to come and take us into his own. We've talked about what Advent looks like. You remember Advent is all about the coming of Christ, uh, that we are in a season now where we are thankful for his first coming, but we also are waiting for his second Advent, his second coming, and we're living in light of that. And all throughout history, all throughout the history of the church, there have been unsung heroes. There have been people who have played parts that you know nothing about. You don't know their names, and we may never, ever know their names. There is one, though, that I want to bring up uh, who is an unsung hero who plays a part traditionally in what it means to have a Christmas tree. And I want to tell you a little bit about that person. His name is St. Boniface. St. Boniface was born in 680 uh, A.D., and uh, he is, by many standards, many theologians and many uh, missiologists would say that he's probably one of the greatest missionaries that ever lived besides the Apostle Paul. Now, there's been many, many great missionaries, but he's probably one, of, one that we don't know or hear much about. Uh, he gained his fame and his, uh, his work was uh, planting churches and evangelizing all through the region of what we know as today, uh, modern-day Germany, all the way to the Netherlands. Uh, he was about sharing his faith, about planting churches, about setting up schools, uh, setting up monasteries. Uh, so St. Boniface, one of the things that he is uh, known for is he had gone into a small village in what is today modern-day Germany. And in that region and in that area, they worship the Norse god Thor. Now, many of you may know Thor. You may understand and know a little bit about that from modern day. And that, well, as a part of their worship, they would gather around in this particular village uh, a tree they called the Thunder Oak. It was a huge tree where they would gather, they would dance, they would bring sacrifices, they would uh, offer worship. Part of their worship and their sacrifice to the Norse god Thor was child sacrifice. I want you to remember that the next time you're watching the Avengers, this is what, how they worshiped uh, Thor. Well, St. Boniface, he and his partners, they got a brand new missionary strategy, one for the edge. They decided as they were ministering in that area, trying to win people to Jesus Christ, share the gospel. Uh, St. Boniface said, hey, boys, let's do this. Let's go chop down the Thunder Oak. So on Christmas Eve, they head in to this village. People are gathered around the Thunder Oak, and they are... Uh, worshiping, and some unlucky little child is there. And St. Boniface and all the missionaries that are with him bring their axes to the battle and literally go chopping down the tree right in the middle of their worship. Tradition tells us that there was a, uh, there was a, a supernatural act that in the middle of that helped to destroy the tree. Uh, the tree goes down as they're chopping this tree down, he turns and he begins to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. As he's turning, he sees a small fir tree standing off beside him. And this is the words that he, read, that he said to them. I want to read them to you. He points, after the tree comes down, he points to the little tree and he says, this little tree, a young child of the forest, shall be your holy tree tonight. <laughs> 
See how it points upward to heaven. Let this be called the tree of the Christ child. Gather around it, not in the forest, but in your homes. It, uh, there it will shelter no more deeds of blood, but loving gifts and rites of kindness. He continued to preach. He continued to share in those moments. And the story goes that the people of that area surrendered their lives to Christ. They received the gospel. And in that village area, uh, the gospel began to grow. The tree that's in your home is a direct descendant, not literally the same sapling, but is a picture of what happened with St. Boniface, a story that you may have never heard before, a hero that you may have never, ever heard before. But now, I mean, to me, that's amazing as I read that and I think about it. Uh, I want us to talk for a few moments, though, about another unsung hero uh, in Christendom that we, as we are walking through our series, uh, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful, I want to talk about another faithful unsung hero, one that you know his name, but you may not have ever thought about him very much. Uh, It's Joseph. It's the earthly father of Jesus. Joseph was an unsung hero. Mary Typically, and we understand, she gets a lot of the press during Christmas. You know, uh, I think part of that may be, and other theologians, as I've studied over the last several weeks about this, have, have conjectured, you know, Matthew was Jewish, and Matthew wrote this account that, we, that was just read to us. And in the course of Matthew writing, he would have had access to Jesus. So he's writing down what it is that Jesus has to say about his earthly father. Matthew, being Jewish, was concerned about making sure that the line of David was continued, that this was the son of God. Luke, where we get uh, the other account, where we get the other account, Luke came afterwards, and he would have had a been able to have eyewitness, it says, he had eyewitness accounts. He would have been able to meet with Mary. Now, I want to tell you this. I have three kids, all right? And uh, I was there for those three kids being born. I was there. But if you ask me, the dad, yes, I got three kids. I was there. They're grown. I love them. It's great. You ask Amy about birthing those three kids, Her story is in much more detail. She has more to say about it, like a woman would naturally have. She's going to be able to add some detail to that. I want us to spend a few moments thinking through some things, though, about Joseph. And and today, as we read the passage, I'm not going to go back through the passage. I'm going to refer back to it. So if you have your Bibles, I'll need you to be looking at Matthew chapter 1. We're going to begin Uh, as we are talking through, we're going to be looking at uh, at verses 18 through 25 today. And there's three points having to do with hope. We lit the hope candle just a few moments ago. Thank you, Beth, for doing that. And there's three points that I want you to, that we're going to walk through, three aspects of hope that I think we can see today with Jesus being our hope. The first one is this, is that hope is born out of faith. Hope is born out of faith. The second thing that we'll see today is that hope is built through obedience. Hope is born out of faith. Hope is built out of obedience, and hope is anchored in Jesus Christ. Hope is anchored in Jesus Christ. And I think we'll be able to see these in this passage that we've just read and talked about. 
I think it kind of begs the question then, then what is hope? What do we mean when we talk about hope? Hope is having a certainty, a rock, having an anchor that what God said is true and the promises that he made, the prophecies that were made about Jesus are certain. So I wanna boil this down for just a moment as I would say hope. Hope is being certain in Jesus. Hope is being certain in Jesus. No matter what comes, no matter what happens, no matter where we find ourselves, we, are, we have certainty in Jesus that what happens is for our good and for the glory of God. Whether, we, whether it happens and works its way out the way we desire, we know our hope is in Jesus. It's not the hope that we see today. The hope that we see today when we talk and when you hear of people, I, I would classify that more as wishful thinking. I hope it doesn't rain this afternoon. Well, I mean, that's wishful thinking, right? I mean, you can look online or you can watch the news and see that, okay, they may say there's 50% chance, but that means there's 50% chance that it won't rain also, right? We're talking about a hope that is guaranteed. Why? Because we know God, we know Jesus, we know his word is trustworthy and true. And so what he says, follower of Christ in here, what he says always happens. He is trustworthy and true. Look with me at verse 19. In verse 19, as we're, as we're looking here, it says that, uh, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, the, the scripture calls him a just man. He is a, in other words, he was a righteous man. He was a holy man. He was a man of conviction. He was a man who stood by what it was that he said that he was committed to. And what was Joseph committed to? As a young Jewish boy, he would have grown up going to synagogue school. He would have known uh, about the Old Testament scriptures. He would have known about faith in God, that we are God's chosen people as Jewish people, and we are waiting for the Messiah. He would have gone to the synagogue with his parents. He would have observed Shabbat. He would have gone to the festivals in, in Jerusalem, whether it was the Passover festival, the Feast of Booths. Uh, he would have, he was a righteous and just man. Now, the angel, the scripture tells us here, the angel appeared to him in a dream. Now, let's kind of set this stage, all right? You have the, the, the telling of Matthew and you have the telling of Luke. Mary has come to, to Joseph and said, I, I'm pregnant. Uh, I, I'm, I, an angel named Gabriel has told me that I am pregnant by the Holy Spirit. This truly is a miraculous conception. Joseph is probably what? What, what, do you, what do you mean? I don't, we, we've, not, we've not known each other. You know what I'm saying? We've not known, what do you mean? He, in his mind, is thinking, she, I, I don't know. The scripture tells us, he, I mean, she tells him about this angel coming. He's decided you remember what was just read a few minutes ago? He's saying, well, listen, I'm going, to, 
I'm going to quietly divorce her. I don't want to bring shame upon her. I'm going to I'm going to end this now. We're going to go away quietly. But the scripture says that he was a just man. And the angel came to him. Now, the angel came to him to reveal to him that what Mary had already told him was true. What Mary told him is true. What she said to you is right. And you're going to call him by the name Jesus. So here's, listen, Joseph being a man who had grown up in a household where he would have learned these things, he would have heard these things, he would have known these things, he would have had faith in God because he was a good Jewish boy. And he was hoping for a savior who would come to him, just like all of the rest of the nation of Israel was. Their faith was, and their hope was in the prophecies of God. And I need to ask you this today. Where is it that you're putting your faith and hope? Where is it that your trust is? Oftentimes, I find as followers of Christ, and I want to speak to you as a follower of Christ today, if you are a, you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, oftentimes we put our hope, our faith in things that will let us down. Other people philosophies. We put our hope in uh, finances. We put our hope in education. And I need you to hear this. There's only one. And let me make sure I'm clear on this in case there's a, a, a discrepancy. When I talk about hope, I'm not talking about a feeling. I'm talking about a person. His name is Jesus. Okay. Jesus is our name for hope. We hope in Jesus Christ, the one who will never let us down. Will everything turn out the way that we always have desired? No. We've all lived long enough to know that. We live in a world that is broken, broken by sin. We live in a world that uh, as hard as I try to keep things in the rails, there are other people keep trying to crash into those rails. You know what I'm saying? And In the midst of that, my hope can never be in someone else. My hope is only in Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Why? Because we have faith in God that Jesus is exactly who he said he was in the scripture. Listen, Joseph was not a scholar. He was not a rabbi. He was not a part of the Sanhedrin. He wasn't a Pharisee. You know who Joseph was? Joseph was a brand new first-time dad. Dads, do you remember what you felt like when you first found out you were going to have a child? Do you remember what it was like when they handed you that baby for the very first time? How scared you were. This is the Joseph we're talking about. An angel comes and says, what Mary says is true. You're going, to be the fa- you're going to be a father. Not only are you going to be a father, which is a huge responsibility, you're going to be the father of the Son of God. He's coming to your house today. Now, Joseph, Joseph had faith in God. He knew, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
Mary said this, now it's been confirmed. It was a great honor. Listen, verse 24, look at verse 24 real quick. Verse 24 says this. It says, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded, he took his wife. Listen, he didn't wait for the betrothal period. The betrothal period was typically a one-year process. It's like our engagement, but it was more formal. Once you entered into a betrothal, you were already legally you were already legally committed you were already basically legally married but you had not known one another yet you had not consummated the marriage the scripture says he had already been contemplating listen because of this we're just i'm going to i'm going to go ahead and divorce her which he had the right to do he legally had the right to do that but when the angel spoke he said okay because I have faith in God, my hope is in you, God, it says that he immediately got up and took his wife. He had a quick marriage. He moved things forward. You know, there was a lie that was circulated around Jesus' life that he was the direct result of an affair with Mary and a Roman soldier. In the face of that, lies, rumors, that's Jesus. People say he's the son of God. I don't know. I thought he was Joseph's son. Mary, Mary and Joseph, how does all this work? That Wasn't she pregnant when they got married? In the face of all the things that were swirling, Joseph, I believe, had faith in God. So his hope was in God because he faith God that, God, you're going to send the one. You're going to send the Messiah. I'm hoping in you for a Messiah. Let me ask you something. I'm going to continue to come back to this. Today, those of you who trust Jesus as your Savior, you claim you trust Jesus as your Savior. Where is your hope? What, what are you placing your hope in? All of us, even at a season like today, we're in the middle of, a, of the Christmas season where, man, we would love for it to be like rainbows and Kool-Aid and puppies and kittens and maybe not kittens, lots of gifts, all kinds of stuff. But what we know is that because we're human, there's disease, there's death, there's financial ruin, there's disaster. These things come at us. And where do we turn for hope? Do you turn to a bottle? A bottle of drink or a bottle of pills? Do you turn to a, a computer screen? Do you turn to another person that's not your spouse? Where are you looking for your hope? Listen, as followers of Jesus Christ, those of us who have surrendered our lives to Jesus, our hope is in God. We've placed our faith in God. We know that Jesus has saved us, and Jesus is the only one. He alone is the one who can see us through to the end, because I, I wish I could tell you that your life would be perfect. If you've not faced the trial yet, hang on, it's coming. And the question is, is where is your hope planted? And whom is your hope planted? Is it Jesus? 
Joseph was a man who was a just man. He was a just man, and his hope was born out of faith. You realize that the, that the wise men didn't show up at their house every year, right? There wasn't an angel who came back to say, hey, remember, Jesus is the one. Walking with Jesus is not always a mountaintop experience. It is in the difficult days, which I need you to hear me. You're going to probably have more difficult days as a follower of Jesus Christ than you are going to have mountaintop experiences. And in those situations, listen, if we're going to have hope, hope already assumes there's going to be adversity, right? If there's no adversity, we don't need hope. Where is your hope today? Because Jesus is our hope in these days. The people of that day, Joseph himself, because of his faith in God, he was hoping for a savior. I need you to know that one has come. Jesus has come. Emmanuel, God with us. So now that we know, where are we placing our hope? Is it in him? Number two, I want you to see this. Not only is hope born out of faith, but hope is built through obedience. All throughout this story, we see Joseph, just to be real honest with you, he displays very ordinary, plain obedience. He is just a four. Joseph is a workaday dude. Do you realize there are no famous paintings can you find paintings of Joseph? Sure, you can find them. But there are no famous paintings people go line up to see. There are no famous sculptures of Joseph and Jesus walking to the, to the synagogue. Joseph was an ordinary carpenter man. Men, I need you to hear me. Ladies, I'm, I'm, just, I'm going in with the men today. Mary's coming, all right? But I, I've got to speak to our men right now. Men, Joseph just worked. He got up. He obeyed the Lord. He did the things that a good Jewish man did. Why? Because he had faith in God that he, he, they were a part of the chosen people. He would go to the synagogue. He would keep Shabbat. He would read, he would go to, uh, go to the temple. He would listen to the Old Testament scriptures, the Torah, the prophets, the wisdom literature. He loved the word. He would take his son, Jesus, and follow along. How did Jesus, listen, you, you realize Joseph after the age of, Jesus, after, uh, Jesus at the age of 12, after that, we hear no more about Joseph. You realize that, don't you? He's nowhere else around. Joseph, yes, Jesus was fully God, fully man, truly God, truly man. Joseph lived a life in front of Jesus that was obedient each day to the one he called God. God. He was the one that pointed Jesus to the heavenly father. And I, I think there's a word there for us men, ladies. If you're a single lady in here who are, your task with raising your children alone. Men who are leading your families, men who are waiting and you're looking for that one 
you're praying that God would send. He, I, here's what I need you to hear. Your faith in Jesus Christ, our hope is born in faith. We do not earn anything with our salvation. You realize that? I need to be really clear. Uh, our salvation was secured because Jesus Christ did the work on the cross. He hung on the cross. He was sacrificed. He was laid in a grave, a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he rose from the grave. Today, he is seated at the right hand of the Father, making intercession for us right now, praying for you, for me, praying that I wouldn't mess this up, praying that you would hear what it is he really wants to hear. That's the work. That's the work that we trust in. But I need you to hear, once you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, listen, we join in and we just do the everyday, ordinary, daily graces that the Lord gives us so that our hope begins to grow in Jesus and we become more confident in that. What is that? It's you get your tail up and you read the word of God. You get into the scripture. You begin to walk with your wife and your kids and you help them to know that, man, my life is being changed because of what it is that I'm reading. You see, it's not just something I'm reading. It's something that I'm reading and it gets in here. It's we, when we don't feel like it, we go to church and we take our kids Listen, Jesus, or Joseph took Jesus to synagogue. The temple was in Jerusalem. They lived in an outback, hick little town called Nazareth, but they would go to synagogue and they would listen and they would read and they would study together because being a part of the community brought hope. God loves us. The scripture says that he is sending one. There's going to be a Messiah. See, when we gather together like this and we're reading scripture and we're singing songs together, we're in small group together, it gives us hope and encouragement that we can make it. Listen, no matter what it is that we're facing today, disease, death, taxes, I mean, philosophies that are fighting against us. We're walking through divorce today. We think our marriages are gonna dissolve. It's when we come together that we find hope that yes, we can go on. Jesus is going to come again. Jesus is peace. Jesus is hope. And Joseph, his hope, his hope was built through the obedience, just following after the daily things. As far as we know, Joseph only heard an angel one time, and it confirmed to him that Jesus was the Son of God. After that, there was no miraculous thing again. It was just, because of what I saw, I keep doing what it is I'm called to do. You know what discipleship is, don't you? Discipleship is putting one foot in front of the other one, going in the same direction for an awfully long time, saying, Jesus, I trust this. I follow this. And though I don't understand it, though my world seems to be crashing in, you are my hope, and you're gonna be the one to get me through. 
And when you've prayed and it feels like he hasn't answered the way you desired, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You are my comfort. That's the man that Joseph was. Look, I wanna look at his obedience for just a minute to Mary. Listen, as I said just a minute ago, I don't know how I would have responded. I hope that I could have responded gracefully. I'm gonna put her away. I don't wanna bring her to shame. If I'd have found out that my fiance, all of a sudden there's a baby bump that hadn't been there before and we've, we've not been together. I hope I could have been like that. Probably it'd have been more like, oh, no, you didn't. Maybe I'm going on blast on social media or something to get some revenge. Not that anybody else would do that. Listen, he was a man who stood up and his first instinct was to be compassionate. That was his very first instinct. And then he heard from the Lord. Listen, some of you are sitting in here today and you'd go, if only I could hear from the Lord, then I would know what to do. Well, get in the word. (laughs) Do you realize when you read the word, you're listening to the word of God speaking to you? What you're reading is his letter to you. And then when you have people around you in community and you're going, I don't know what to do. And they start giving you good and wise counsel. (laughs) You're hearing from the Lord. But most of the time we go, I still don't know. (laughs) Listen, I need you to hear. This is why just the daily hope-filled obedience as a follower of Jesus, every day when we do that, we're saying, my hope is in you, Jesus. My hope is in you, Jesus. I'm walking. My hope is in you, Jesus. Jesus, I don't know what to do. The word tells me this. My friends are telling me this. Then I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna walk. I'm gonna walk. Folks, this is what it looks like. This is the man that Joseph was. And I need, please hear me. Joseph didn't earn the right to have Jesus given to him to raise. But I do believe God looked at Joseph and said, I can trust you with this. Did you realize the things that God brings to you? Yes, they are tests, but they are a test of trust. So when he brings things to us, I try to remind myself, Lord, thank you that you're trusting me in this. I want to walk faithfully. My hope is in you, Jesus. If you don't realize this, I'm a normal dude just like you dudes. You realize that? I have trials. My wife and I have things that come into our lives And we oftentimes could look and start putting our trust in other things. Even in recent years, putting your hope in in someone or something. And we have to look back and go, Jesus, I trust you. You're not going to fail. They may. All of this may fail. You will not fail. That's what we're calling you to today, is to put your hope in the one who will never fail you. He will never fail you. Jesus is our hope. Look at his obedience when it came to raising Jesus, though. And I'm going to be real honest with you. I'm going to probably put a little bit of conjecture here. I don't think that I can be far off on this, but I I, want to be really 
careful here. You realize that Jesus was the adopted son of Joseph, don't you? Jesus was not his bio, uh, Joseph was not his bio father. You realize that, right? Mary became pregnant because the Holy Spirit overshadowed her. She, the Holy Spirit did that in her. How did that happen? I don't know. That's where I trust. So, Joseph becomes the adopted dad of him. Did you realize that Joseph never treated him any differently? I mean, and it wasn't just because, ooh, that's the son of God. He got special treatment. Give him two portions. He treated him as his own. Look with me at a passage here in verse 20. Look at verse 20 in here. Verse 20, it says, uh, but he considered these things. Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David. This is, this is big. This is big right here, all right? The Messiah, the scripture tells us, would come through the line of David, through the lineage of David. So Joseph literally is the, in the line of David. So God places Jesus into Joseph's family. Joseph is the direct line to David. He's the direct line to David. He treats him as his own. You realize that when an adopted child comes into a family and it is made legal, there is absolutely no difference between the bio kid and the adopted kid. None. The rights are the same. Jesus, as the adopted son of Joseph, was as much a descendant of David as Solomon and Josiah. As much the same rights, the same privileges. Joseph, as Jesus is running around his house, we forget he's truly God and he's truly man. Jesus is being taught how to be a carpenter by his father. He's watching him, how he acts, how he lives. He, Joseph takes his son, his earthly son, Jesus, to synagogue. He learns the Shabbat prayers. He hears the word being read. He watches his father who lives an obedient life of faith, who expresses hope. He walks in that. He sees that happening. See, we forget. Joseph was called to lead his family. Men, you're called to lead your family, spiritually to lead them, to love them, to protect them, to point them to Jesus. You can't make them be discipled, but your task is to be a disciple so that they want to follow after Jesus and go, I can do that. I see my dad. I see my husband do that. I understand what that looks like. That's a responsibility that is given to you. That's the same responsibility that was laid upon Joseph to walk in that. No wonder that Jesus, or that, uh, that God placed Jesus in Joseph's family. He was gonna protect, he was gonna love, he was gonna be faithful. He expressed hope in the heavenly father. Listen, 
when Jesus is lost, I mean, like, he's not with Mary and Joseph. You know the story? They were, after the Passover, they're going back. They get three days out. Just like a man, Joseph, where's Jesus? I don't know where he is. Mary's upset. They're, they take off. They go back. They find him. And what did Jesus say? I've been about my father, my heavenly father's business. Now, listen, I'm not minimizing. You need to hear me. I'm not going to minimize the fact that Jesus is the son of the living God, the heavenly father. But I need you to know, Joseph is the one who helped to point him in that direction. Men, that is our responsibility as us. Jesus, who called 12 disciples unto himself, at some level was discipled by Joseph. That's heavy, guys. That's a, that's a responsibility that we have. What are you hoping in, men? Because what you're hoping in is what your children are going to look at. Do they think you're hoping in your job? You're hoping in your finances. You're hoping in your retirement account. You're hoping in this. You're hoping, or do they go, Jesus is my only hope. My dad told me that. I see that in my dad. I see that in my mom. Jesus is our only hope. And men, it is hard for a wife or children to refuse a man who loves Jesus who studies to be like Jesus, who follows after Jesus, who lays their life down for their wife the way Christ laid their life, he laid his life down for the church. That, man, is what we're called to. That's what we're called to. Lastly, and I close out here, hope is also anchored. We see Joseph's hope anchored in Christ. Joseph was told, verse 21, Joseph is told to name the child Jesus. Jesus translates Yahweh saves. That's literally what it means. Yahweh saves. So when, the, when Mary says, hey, Gabriel, an angel came to me, I'm pregnant. He's revealed this and he said, I'm to name the baby. We're to name the baby Jesus. Joseph being an obedient faithful Godfather would have gone, okay, Jesus, Yahweh saves? The angel appears to him, confirming what's been said and says, you shall call his name Jesus, Yahweh saves. Uh, remember, he was not an educated man. He wasn't a rabbi. He wasn't a scholar. He wasn't a Pharisee, but he knew what Jesus meant. He knew what that name meant. He knew Yahweh saves. This is the one that we've been foretold. Now, I do want to say this. The name of Jesus was a very common name of that day. What's uncommon is that both of them had angels appeared to him, them to confirm that this is a miraculous birth that's going to happen. And his name is Jesus. Yahweh saves. I truly believe that Joseph knew this is the one. This is it. And he in the midst of raising a little boy, training him, losing him. This is the one, and he hoped in this one. He hoped in Jesus. 
his son. Listen, names mean something. That's why he said, you shall call him Jesus. Yahweh saves. This is why I always tell our leaders here, get to know people. Names mean something. He's given someone a name. Let's know people's names. I want you to know people's names. Forgive me if I don't remember. You keep telling me because I want to remember your name. I want to remember, and I want you to know mine. We need to know and be known. But I do want to tell you this, if you get a phone call today, an email, a text, or someone brings you a physical check for $1 million with my name on it, that's a scam. That, that check's going to bounce quick. There are insufficient funds. There's nowhere near that, okay? I'm hopeful I can get you a check for 100 bucks. But if Bill Gates, Elon Musk, you start putting other people in there. They bring you a check for a million dollars, that check's gonna probably cash. Names mean something. That's why in the scripture, when the angel said twice, two different angels, you're gonna name him Jesus. Yahweh saves. They knew this is the one. This is the Christ child. He will be the one. And I believe that Joseph had his hope. And this child, folks, I've got to ask you, I've got to ask you, what is or who is your hope in? Who are you hoping in today? If it's anyone other than Jesus, you're going to be let down. You can't hope in the economy. You can't hope in finances. You can't hope in POTUS. You can't hope in FLOTUS, SCOTUS, mama, daddy, doctor. You, they're all going to let you down. There's only one. Jesus is faithful. He is the one we hope in. And today, I tell you this each week. You've been prayed for this morning. We prayed that there would be people, if there are people who come today who feel hopeless, that they would leave going, my hope is in Jesus Christ. And I need you to hear, if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, he is your only hope. He's it. I would love to talk with you about that. Surrendering your life to Jesus is the easiest thing to do and the hardest thing to follow through on. You come to Jesus by simple faith. You place your faith in him by faith. And you receive the gift of eternal life, the scripture says. And then you are adopted into his family. And you get the same rights and privileges as Jesus, his son. Is it too good to be true? No. Uh uh. It's real. I have, and many others in here have staked everything on it. Why? Because I believe this word, my faith is in the God of this word that he sent a son and he has never let me down. My hope, my comfort, my faith is built on Jesus Christ. And I I invite you to that today. I invite you to that, to know him. Follower of Jesus, those of you who have surrendered your life, I need to say this to you. If you've been placing your faith, your trust, your hope in anything else, 
it's going to fail you. When you need it most, it's going to fail you. When, you're on, when, when your loved one is on, your, on their deathbed, I need you to know your money's not going to do anything for them. It's not a thing. When you are at your lowest and nobody else is around, there is nothing that you can hope in except Jesus because he is true. Father, I love you and I thank you. I magnify you today. And I ask you, God, would you do a work that only can be attributed to you? Not songs sung, not things happening in a classroom, not a message being preached. I pray, Father, that you have taken the words, the songs, the teachers, the community that's happened, you've molded it together, and you have spoken to people in here today, and that you are bringing people who are dead to life. People who were once blind now see because of faith in Jesus Christ. I'm asking today, Father, that if there are followers of yours in here, people who have surrendered their life to you, who say they trust Jesus and they've put their hope in someone else, something else, would you call them to turn back to you? We trust you. In just a moment, I'm going to say amen, and when I do, we're going to stand and we're going to respond, and how we're going to respond is we're going to give our offering, we're going to pray, we're going to sing. If you need to speak to somebody, I'm going to ask you to come and talk to me. I'll be out in the foyer. I'd love to talk with you about what it means to have true hope in Jesus Christ, him alone. Father, we magnify you today, and it's in the name of Jesus we ask these things. Amen. Zion.